Hurry up and get your iPhone out of the microwave. This is the tech edition of Where the Money Is. Morning, everybody. I am Sean O'Reilly here with the one and only Nathan Hamilton. And uh, so you've obviously heard about all these people that are putting their iPhones in the microwave to recharge them. What the heck? <laughs> well, Apple is pretty innovative with their technology, but I feel they're should, not that innovative. <laughs> yeah, we should let our listeners know that you cannot charge your phone by putting it in the microwave. Have you seen these pictures on Twitter? Yeah, they're they literally frying their phones. They're spending six, seven hundred dollars on these, and uh, it's unfortunate. Yeah. I know they're excited to, to get their new iPhones. Oh, well, you would think these people would just buy those charging stations where you can just put it on top and you're good to go. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, so today we are talking about Spectrum. We are. First and foremost, before we really dig into it and what T-Mobile's been up to, for our viewers and probably me, what is Spectrum? Spectrum is pretty much what keeps our cell phone conversation going. You know, the, the communication is between cell phones even wireless broadcast, TV stations, and so forth. So they're like radio waves. Exactly. Perfect. Uh, so what has T-Mobile been up to with their T- uh, TMUS network? Did I say that right? Yeah, T-Mobile okay. US. T-Mobile US, um, okay. You know, they're using Spectrum to improve their network, and importantly, it's working out pretty well. If we look at over the last year or so, T-Mobile has spent north of $3 billion on low-frequency spectrum. Now, n- not to get too technical, in terms of frequency, but it's the best spectrum out there. It's it's a lower cost spectrum to, to maintain the infrastructure. Right. And reception-wise and, and network quality, it's the most desirable. So if I'm a T-Mobile shareholder, they just spent $3 billion in the last year, you said. Are these throwing, is this throwing off any cash at all yet? Is this like a, okay, we'll use this down the line? Like, what's going on with that? So T-Mobile doesn't have all the spectrum active at this point. Okay. So they are testing out some some of the lower frequency spectrum, but bringing it to a nationwide network and, and so forth and fully implementing it, no, not at this point. So as we look at it cash flow-wise, T-Mobile is, is pretty aggressive with, with their marketing and bringing subscribers in. So right. it's, not, it's not, given, uh, not given too much of the bottom line or cash flow-wise. So just th- speaking of the broad spectrum, because you you know, you basically own that frequency mm-hmm. between the major carriers and everything. How is it like a monopoly board? Like, there's only so many things, and if you own a certain spectrums or whatever, you're good to go. Like, how much is yeah. it sold? So, if we look at the actual, Can you numbers, build a hotel on one of them, <laughs> and <laughs> if we look at the numbers, actually, Verizon and AT and T own more than two thirds of the low oh, wow. frequency okay. licenses. Now, this is why there's always the monopoly sort of argument, and right. that's what T-Mobile is trying to, they're trying to unseat okay. um, the two behemoths. So, the FCC does have some auctions coming up. Um, we're going to be seeing one happening in November. Okay. And then also going to be seeing one happening in 2015. The 2015 incentive auction is what they're calling it. Okay. And this is by far the most important incentive or spectrum auction that's taken place in the last few years. It's for what they're doing is they're repurposing broadcast TV spectrum. Which we're not wireless. using anymore. Exactly. Right. Okay. So the the uh, the channels are selling their spectrum, T Mobile, AT and T, Verizon are all buying that spectrum to essentially use it for their wireless customers. Okay. And I mean this is if we look at the money involved in these transactions, it's huge. AT and T has committed to spending more than 
you know, up to $9 billion. Right, and I was just reading the other day, uh, we were looking at uh, the major cable companies and the satellite dish providers and everything, and I saw this number, and it was Dish Network. It's, they own like $25 billion worth of yeah. spectrum that they are not using right now. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Obviously, <laughs> That's a lot of yeah. <laughs> There's some ulterior motives. They, they likely want to get out of just the, the normal right. ATV And service. we know that the CEO of Dish has tried to, he, he kind of sees the end game and he thinks long term just with the potential, uh, you know, the cord cutting or the satellite cutting in this case. He is looking at alternatives and he wanted to merge with DirecTV. That obviously didn't happen because they sold AT&T, but yeah. what are they going to do with all this? $25 billion worth of spectrum? He's been secretive at this point, Charlie Ergen. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it makes sense. If you look at the broader cable industry and so forth, the subscriber trends looking longer term, you have to question how profitable these models or how growth-oriented these models are going to be going forward. So, obviously, they're going to be looking to other avenues to diversify their business. Wireless is one of those areas. Obviously, um, right. AT&T, Verizon sort of dominated at this point. T-Mobile's trying to... Slowly but surely, yeah. But, um, you know, what it means for the actual future, DISH is always an active participant in any negotiations based upon different rumors we've seen. and In anything in communication, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah, and, and Charlie Ergen has come out and said when the T-Mobile bid failed from, from SoftBank and Sprint, he came out and said, this is a, opens up a lot of options for us. Mm-hmm. I think he is interested. Okay. Um, now, when he's interested is, we, we don't know necessarily at this point, but there have been rumors that after the November FCC auctions mm-hmm. that he may look to, to make a bid for T-Mobile. But this, this is, this is purely yeah. speculation. So, intent, okay, you're talking about like uh, AT&T and Verizon, they own like two-thirds of the uh, low-frequency spectrum. Mm-hmm. In 10 years, is all the spectrum going to be sold off at that point by the U.S. government, and then you'll have... Basically, these four or five companies owning all the spectrum, and then it is literally like a game of Monopoly, or what? I think we're at that point anyways, game oh, of geez. Monopoly. <laughs> but in the FCC, believe Who owns Boardwalk well. and Park Place? Exactly. <laughs> the FCC has been pretty adamant in saying, we want four wireless okay. providers. And, okay. And with the bid um, from SoftBank... So that's good if you're a T-Mobile shareholder, because you might feel like you're kind of getting squeezed, but that doesn't look yeah. like it's the case. And, and John Ledger, the, the CEO of T-Mobile, has come out and said specifically before two things. We are open to any transaction that brings capital to the table and brings spectrum to the table. You need both of those to satisfy subscribers. Yeah. Very, very interesting. If um, Last question, then we'll move on. But um, if you... I was looking at the financials of like a T-Mobile. They don't exactly generate a ton of profits right now. Mm. In a Chapter 11, what's all the spectrum worth? Is that actually like their number one asset, and that's why the stock yeah. trades the way it does? I mean, if, if you look at the books and see where their assets are, a lot of it's going to be spectrum holdings. Okay. Um, particularly for Dish. The ultimate goodwill account or something. Sprint, <laughs> Sprint actually, yeah, Sprint actually has the largest spectrum holdings of okay. any of the wireless providers. And this it is has the worst stuff they bought 10 years ago and but, ironically have the yeah, worst just, network. Yeah, you know, from Nextel when they picked up Nextel, they right. picked up a lot of spectrum. Um, now, if we look at recent surveys, Sprint is actually last in rankings of the top four. Wow, yeah. And T-Mobile actually leapfrogged sprint recently boy oh boy but again taking a step back the u.s government the fcc has literally said we want four major care carriers is that kind of like they're going to hold 
Sprint's hand, even if they kind of... Well, Sprint and T-Mobile. And if we look at the rules for the 2015 auction, they've actually set them up to make it more competitive. Because with AT&T spending $9 billion, T-Mobile can't compete yeah, with that. There's no way. And there needs to be a way for them to be able to compete with that and improve their network. Right. Same with Sprint. Um, so some of the rules that have been implemented for the auction do include these sort of anti-monopoly right. provisions, and, and they are favorable, very favorable to Sprint and T-Mobile. T- okay, so uh, to summarize, Verizon and AT&T own Boardwalk and Park Place, but the government's going to help uh, uh, T-Mobile and Sprint no matter what? Kinda. Yeah, they, they definitely want them to be very competitive. Okay. T-Mobile's been doing performing very well with subscriber counts. Sprint, not so much, but they've got a new CEO who seems to be... Um, you know, pretty focused on, on growing the company and growing subscribers. Very, very good. Okay, all right. And uh, last thing I wanted to get to here was a reader question. An interesting one. Yeah, this is good stuff. Um, so uh, it basically reads, we have our beliefs of who will make the Apple Watch, but the truth is Apple and Invencense are the only ones who know who made it in and know what the revenue breakdown will be. The bigger mover is really in the iPhone and likely alludes to ABD, uh, was that Apple's? Oh, Abdi's comment of well, gaining... Go ahead. And actually, getting to the question, um, you know, one of our readers reached out and asked about InventSense and their place in the Apple Watch. Right. Um, and we know that they're in there now. Yeah. We know that... Well, we know that they're in the iPhone, to, to oh, clarify. Okay. And, and the reader's question specifically addressed, what's our take on on the Apple Watch and InventSense? If you look at, ultimately, what we know... We know that InventSense has historically been a supplier to the iPhone and Apple. But if we look at the Apple Watch, nobody knows except for, as we mentioned Because it's there, not on the market yet. Yeah, yeah. Apple and InventSense. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because I was not an expert on InventSense and all that. But um, they make the top-of-the-line gyroscopes for all the kind of mapping and just positioning things that our yeah, smartphones do these days. Yeah. yeah. And, and their biggest, their biggest um, percentage of revenue... Um, customer is Samsung. Right. So if you actually look at it, just, just answering, I, I believe it's Dan Novak's question, um, what does it mean for the Apple Watch? We don't have too many insights there, but what we do know is what it means for the iPhone 6 now and what our take is specifically on that. And I want to get these numbers right, so I'll, I'll, I'll read it off here. Um, I hope you know, our, our listeners can follow along here. But if we look at the estimates for analysts for InventSense revenues, it's around $360, $370 million for the fiscal year. If we look at the guidance that InventSense has provided, and they're not accounting for any Apple sort of related right. revenue for the watch or what they know of the iPhone 6, it runs in a range of 315 I think up to around 330 Don't quote me exactly there. But if we break out that number, there's about 50 to $60 million, which is unaccounted for. And mm-hmm. this is related to the iPhone. Okay. So CEO came out and said in a recent call that the chip in the iPhone, the 6-axis chip, runs for about a dollar. That's what they sell it to. Right. So that implies about $50 million, 50 to $60 million right. worth of iPhone unit sales. The iPhone in the first weekend did 10, 10 million. million yep. units. So the fiscal year for InventSense ends in March of next year. Okay. So essentially we've got the next few months from you know, six, six or so months for Apple to surpass that 50 million mark, and then they could beat analyst expectations. So would you say that um, InventSense's numbers are, if anything, conservative? Well, they're, 
they're strategically conservative because they can't come out and say, hey, we have We're Apple. totally in this yeah. device. Yeah. They have to give guidance based upon the known supplier or the okay. known customers. Got it. Very so really, good. if we look at it, just simplifying it, the difference between their guidance and analyst estimates is about 50 million iPhone sales. But the right. iPhone has been selling tremendously well in its first weekend, so there could be some surprises. For sure. And uh, what kind of ramifications does this have for Apple, if, it, if anything? Um, you know, the actual ramifications for Apple, I, I don't know if it, it's so much. They, you know, InventSense has been in certain Apple products previously, and they've been expected to be in certain Apple products that they didn't make the handset. Right. They didn't make the device. Um, it, it doesn't so much have an effect on Apple because, um, you know, InventSense is one of one of their key suppliers they use for, for these sorts of chips. But I think really the focus is, is more on events and sure. what it means for their business. Okay, very good. Well, that's it for us, folks. If you have any questions, feel free to email us. And otherwise, have a great day.